Okay. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Synced Up. Today, I am so excited to have this guest on. She is a New York City icon, and you probably know her podcast. It's about dating and relationships, and it is We Met at Acme. So thank you, Lindsay Wetzlar, for coming on the show, and I'm so excited to have you. Of course. Thank you for having me. So we have some a few things in common. Um, most importantly, we're both Libras. And <laughs> I wanted to know what your moon and rising sign are. Ooh, this is important. I am a <laughs> Virgo rising and a Capricorn moon. What about you? Oh, okay. So you have a lot of grounding in earth. So I, earth. I have no earth in my chart. And what is your chart? I'm a Libra sun, Pisces moon, and Sag rising. Oh, wow. Water and air. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Water, air, fire. Um, But it's interesting. A lot of the, especially women in my life are all Capricorns or some kind of earth sign, which I think maybe subconsciously I gravitate towards just because I have, (laughs) yeah, I definitely need the grounding. Um, The other thing that we have in common is that we both grew up in New York City and then also went to Boston University. So I would love to hear about your experience growing up in the city and then also your experience at BU and in Boston. Totally. My experience growing up in the city was so funny. Everyone always asks, I'm sure they ask you the same thing. Was your life like Gossip Girl? (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's gossip world so far-fetched but there were some similarities like we I did grow up on the Upper East Side so I had that like kind of um I went to an all-girls school and I had that kind of like scene of like you know like that group of friends um we were definitely more fast-paced than friends who grew up in the suburbs and things like that um and then I went to BU and I was like very hesitant at first because I didn't want to go to school in a city after being in a city, but I ended up loving it. There was so much culture in Boston. There's so many colleges in Boston. So it was like such a college town. Um, And I had a really wonderful experience. How was your experience? I don't know. I I agree with you in that I didn't necessarily want to go to a city school, but then I also thought about it and I definitely couldn't go to a school in the suburbs just because like when you grow up in the city, I don't know. Um, And I liked Boston, but I almost feel like because New York is so diverse, I don't know if it was just the BU bubble that I was in, but I almost felt like it, it just wasn't New York. Like it just was almost a little bit confining And I I almost felt like I lost a piece of my authenticity when I went to school because I wanted to just fit in and be like everyone there. And everyone was like blonde and dressed the same. And I'm not that at all. So it was an interesting experience, but I was definitely happy to move back to New York. Would you ever move anywhere? Like, have you considered moving anywhere else or? I've lived in LA. I've lived in London. I would never live in LA. Um, How long did you live there for? In LA. Yeah. It was just in the summer and it was like a month. So Mm -hmm. not a long time at all. Um, I probably would never live there again. I just don't 
think it compares to New York at all. And the people are just like, not great. Um, I would live in London again, for sure. I loved it there. I completely agree. That's so funny. I literally just posted a Q&A and someone asked, like, if you had to live somewhere else, like, where would you live? And I also lived in LA. I lived there for about three months spontaneously. And I completely agree with you. I think it's just the culture there and the things that they place value on. It's so different than Mm. what it is here. And I almost, I almost noticed like when I was there, like the amount of comparison that I felt to other women and then this, and especially with social media, but it's almost like heightened there. I started noticing, like, I felt like I wasn't good enough, or I felt like if I didn't have enough followers or this brand of bag or whatever, like I, I really felt inferior and it did, um, it did not good things for my mental health. So I, I agree with that. I feel like LA, like what you look like is so much more important than like your status. Whereas in New York, it's more like what you do for a living, um, which isn't that much better, but in my opinion, it's, it's, it's like, it makes more sense. I agree. And I think it's also just a little bit more fulfilling, like uh, not to place so much value on things outside of you, but to what you said, like with career, it is kind of about that. It is more fulfilling because it kind of pushes you to follow your purpose and follow what kind of lights you up, which is, in my opinion, a more fulfilling way to live. But to segue into how you created your brand and this business, like it is just so impressive. And I want to hear like, I mean, did you always think that you were going to go down this path or what kind of led up to this? Like what, just how did We Met at Acme come to be? Yeah, well, thank you, first of all. Um, I always, like, I always knew that I wanted to talk to the world in some way or another. Um, and in college, actually, I'd had a Twitter account that went viral and like got a bunch of followers. So I knew that like my niche was figuring out a way to like reach people on a bigger level, but I didn't know what that was going to be. And podcasting was not really a thing until about five, maybe even longer years after I graduated. And then I was doing social media management and I was feeling super unfulfilled, even though I was talking to the world, it was like under um, you know, other companies' names. And I had, had went on a friend's podcast at the time that had a different concept. And I was like, oh, wow, podcasting is so fun. Like you're talking to um, the world, but no one can see you. And so you're not scared. And like, I knew that I wanted to talk about dating because I'd just been through a breakup and dating in New York was so crazy. There were no podcasts about dating in New York. And so I just started, we met at Acme and I found the name and I don't know if you've ever felt this way. I'm sure you have, cause I feel like you're a little woo woo too, but like I, the second the name came out of my mouth, we met at Acme. I was like, this is something, I don't know what it is, but it feels right. And so, I literally just got chills. Like listening to yeah. you say that. And that's just like how it happened. Wow. So when you were first starting out, did you ever feel discouraged or did you ever feel scared about this path that you were taking or kind of just uncertain about what steps to take definitely all the time I 
really had no idea what I was doing, but I didn't focus on the discouragement. I focused on like, how can I continue to have my hand on the pulse of like what people want to hear about when it comes to dating in New York? How can I continue to like interact with the people who follow me and ask them what they're going through and then talk about how they're dealing with that. And just like focusing on the content side of it instead of like the bigger comparison side of it. Did you have like a, a strategy or a structure when you were first starting out or did did you build a team right away or were you kind of doing everything on your own? It was mostly on my own and especially in terms of structure and strategy. I kind of just was like, I'm going to ask everyone I think is interesting in the city to come on my podcast. Um, and then in terms of a team, I did have a woman who I was working with at an agency, but it like the agency was so weird and like their ads were like sports ads. And I was like, this is not aligned. And so I actually asked her to leave and come manage me. And so I, I knew that it was important to like have someone else around because when you're working for yourself or working alone, it can get really lonely if you don't have someone to like bounce ideas off of and, you know, believe in what you're doing. And so I did that and then I'm not working with that person anymore, but I have a different manager now, an agent and team. So that was like the beginning of me having a team. Okay. Interesting. Um, when, when you're talking about these topics, like, and I, I think I mentioned this to you before, but one of the things that I really admire about you is that you have these takes, like, and you are unafraid to speak your mind and really are grounded in your opinions and your beliefs. I think with cancel culture, especially now, like it's super relevant and just people on the internet, like bashing you if you speak your mind where like how do you develop that sense of confidence and I think it's also like a certain sense of knowingness like you just know yourself but like that's also tied into confidence how do you develop that and were you always like that yeah that's a great thoughtful question um I definitely always had like a strong sense of self but as I got older I started to know myself more and more. And, you know, as I made certain decisions for my lifestyle, like getting sober and this and that, and being in a stable relationship, like you, you know yourself more and more therapy. Therapy was a huge, huge part of me, like knowing myself, having confidence in my opinions. And then also at the end of the day, it's like, no one's going to agree with everything you said, like no matter what you put, especially on like a platform, like TikTok, for example, there's always going to be someone who disagrees with you even if you say like women should have the rights right. like yeah women should have rights. <laughs> people are like no they fucking shouldn't like, yeah. no matter what you say someone's gonna say something back so I think especially if you have a podcast to be able to understand what your values are and what your opinions are and stick to them that's gonna make you successful because you're not just bending to like what everyone wants to hear totally I think that's such a good point and I think it also it ties into a sense of authenticity because when you are really showing up genuinely like yourself and in your authentic truth, it's going to be polarizing because it is impossible to have everyone like you or agree with you. So if you are getting not hate comments, but people opposing you, like good job because I mean, you're showing up authentically. So I think it's like, it's just, it's in a way it's positive reinforcement, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, 
with your sobriety so kind of tying into dating and then also just like in your 20s how do you feel like these do you feel like with your you said that you're in a stable relationship and like that's amazing yay we love that but like in your 20s were all your relationships stable or what were they like and what was kind of like did you notice an underlying theme or pattern with the men that you were dating and within yourself as well definitely I think and I'm sure a lot of women in their 20s can relate like in my 20s I dated people who were not fully committed because I wasn't ready for something and so that might mean like they had some work to do still on themselves like they were mature or they were this or they were that and I was like repulsed by people who were ready and like who really liked me and who had their shit together and so I think a lot of us in our 20s in our immature you know mindset will choose the guys that we don't actually think our marriage material but like are more fun and that was the theme of guys in my 20s and then um, I was lucky enough to meet my husband at 29 and he was like it was like crazy because he was literally every perfect quality but I was like so ready for it and so it was it was great but in my 20s it was definitely like toxic guys for sure whoa okay that's insane that you say that (laughs) because literally like one of the things that I'm talking about with my therapist now like I'm dating and like I I am having fun and then I go in between of like wanting a boyfriend and wanting something just secure but then I think like what you said there's this subconscious part of me that just isn't ready for that and doesn't want it like there was this guy that that I was kind of seeing before and it sounds bad but like I got so icked out by him immediately and because because he was everything that I wanted and I think that like maybe like he was he was checking in he was planning the second and the third date like on our first date like talking about family talking about his values asking like doing everything you know yeah and And it's weird because like, I really do respect him. Like I really, really respect him. I think he's like an amazing guy. He's successful. He's, you know, also started like his own brand for himself. Like I I respect him so much, but there was just something inside of me that was just like, I can't do it. But it's interesting because I think like people are really mirrors for us. Like they mirror back to us where we still need healing or where we are not fully there. Like how, how do you get over that or like how do you heal that or is it kind of just like a a timing thing it's just time and like really making the wrong choices in men what that's like that has helped me a lot to learn what the right choice looks like do you think that when you were dating these guys like were you settling or were like how were you kind of showing up with them or like were you tolerating the toxic behavior like what was the dynamic like and did you stay in it for a while like can you talk yeah, more about that I think that? I was tolerating toxic behavior but I think I was probably toxic too which like how wait, did you do like think about yeah like just you know first of all I was definitely like addicted to smoking weed when I was dating a lot of these guys I was like I love the drama I just 
I was definitely not someone that you would have wanted to bring home, but I didn't know that. And like, so there was work that I had to do too. It's like you, if you're like attracting toxic men over and over again, it's like, you have to look at yourself too. Like you're the common denominator. When you were first starting to date your now husband, did you feel a sense of, because Okay, I guess like if you didn't recognize in the moment that you were maybe also the toxic one, when you finally met your now husband, did you kind of heal that, but then also like feel a sense of deservingness and worthiness when when you were with him? Or was there still like maybe a subconscious sense of I'm not worthy of this and I'm going to like self-sabotage by being toxic? There was definitely a lot of that, but... I, it was less like, I'm not worthy of this. And more like, is this too good to be true? I actually knew that I was worthy of it. I was like, I have done so much work. Like I am a great catch. He's a great catch. Like I'm worthy, but is this a trick? Because like, it's too good to be true, you know? Whoa. Yeah. That's kind of scary. So scary. Did you have a hard time being vulnerable? Cause that's like something that I kind of struggle with and I think it's an like an accumulation of just being with toxic guys or guys who are non-committal where like I'll say all right fuck it like I'm gonna be vulnerable or I'm gonna open up and just whatever like I'm gonna be vulnerable and then it just like bites me in the ass and then I carry that into the next relationship and then I'm like all right well can I trust this person can I open up like I don't want to get hurt like how do you navigate that being vulnerable is scary and that's part of why like the rules are really helpful because it helps you like only be vulnerable once they deserve that vulnerability I think also for me in my marriage like I was able to be more vulnerable because once we started to get closer was when COVID happened and like we didn't have the opportunity to be like oh no we're still playing it cool like we had to go kind of all in And so that was like forced vulnerability, which I think our relationship needed. Yeah. That's kind of like a blessing in disguise that you were put into that situation. Totally. Can you give us a rundown of your, um, of your rules? Like maybe, I mean, I feel like there's like a, there is a whole list of them, but a whole list, but I'll give you the gist, which is basically the gist is like to let the man chase you. If you are a woman dating men, and like, let them be the one who initiates, let them, you know, pay for the date, but like offer, um, like let them initiate the text, like let them text you the next day after the date. Don't send a thank you text. No more than two drinks on a first date. Don't stay on the date longer than two hours. Just like basic standard, like let them be the one to say, I love you first. Let them be the one to define the relationship. Essentially the rules just outline, like let somebody pursue you. Okay. Can we talk about, so I completely agree, cosign everything. The one thing that I think, and you actually mentioned this in your podcast episode with Steven, who is everyone, this is Lindsay's husband. This episode also was just amazing. It was so expansive. Um, But with the texting first, I like, I, I totally get it. Like, don't text them the next day, like obviously, but I think and I don't know if you've experienced this, but were guys intimidated, or I don't know if that's even the right word, but 
were like I'm just gonna say like intimidated were guys intimidated by you and do you feel like you almost had to give them like a little bit of a nudge or some kind of indication that you are interested or because I think guys also fear rejection it's like you know and I I think what sometimes with like texting first like you kind of have to give them that like little nudge yeah I think I think that if you're going into a situation where the guy does not know how you feel about him at all then like you use your best judgment if you want to send that text um if you made it clear that you're into them you kiss them you did something to make it clear you don't need to send that text like a guy will get in touch with you if he wants to see you again and Stephen even said in that episode he would have messaged me again um I just happened to you know I knew that he had gone out of his way to like walk me home. So I was like, thanks for walking me home. Not thank you for the date. Not thank you for spending time with me. Not like, oh my God, I'm just like a pathetic girl who's like, thanks a guy for like hanging out, you know? Yeah. I think it's all about like your intention behind the message. And um, at the end of the day, it's what you feel is best to do. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I'm also working on is like, really listening to my gut and like listening to my intuition knowing what a yes feels like in my body knowing what a no feels like and I feel like especially like when I was in school even with Instagram pictures I would message like five of my friends just copy and paste like which one should I post what caption should I write like just outsourcing any type of like opinion so that I didn't have to use my own and I feel like like a lot of young girls do that and they don't realize that every time that you go to someone else to tell you what what you should do like their whole experience is based off of what they've experienced they don't know what you've experienced or what this other person has has experienced so it's really important to kind of just like start practicing learning like how to use your judgment and then it's also like through those experiences sometimes it sucks but like you learn 100%. Um, So what was your kind of dating life in your 20s? Like, were you in serious relationships or were you kind of, did you have periods where you were like going on a date like every week or what, what was that like? Oh yeah, I had both. I was kind of a serial monogamous in that I had a boyfriend most of the time, but when I didn't, I was going on dates like all the time. I was going on like three to four dates a week. I just thought that it was like so fun, first of all, but also such a great experience to like compare and contrast who I did like, who I didn't like. I remember when I started the podcast, I was 27 and very single and I was going out all the time on dates, but I was definitely a little bit quick to become like in a relate, like in like a more exclusive, like I was quick to zero in on someone when I should have maybe waited to like see if mm-hmm. there were other people coming around that would be more suited. What is your advice for girls who are going on all these dates, but like just not committing? Like how, or like, how do you get the guy to commit or how do you get the guy mm. to settle down? Especially if like, if they were toxic, like how, how do you, how did you well, they're do that? Toxic, you don't want them but right 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 get them to settle down is really you do that by not wanting them to settle down like truly by showing them that like you have a million options and that you 
are a woman who is extremely wanted and is like a hot commodity. And the guy, unfortunately, this is just the way that it is, has to think that like he has to lock you down, not just that you're waiting around to be his girlfriend. And that's just the way that it is. So like you just have to keep doing you and keep dating and and not like be trying to like get this one guy. And then of course he'll end up wanting to be with you. Did you ever struggle with self-worth or basing your worth off of whether a guy does or doesn't want to date you? Oh my God, 100%. There was this one guy who like actually, it it was insane. My friends were like, Sabrina, we've never seen you like that before. I don't know what happened. We were dating for like maybe a month and a half. And of course, you know, it's crazy. Okay, so we'll call him John. Um, I had just, so this past weekend, I was with this other guy. His name is Mike. And John, I was seeing like in April, March of earlier this year. I spend like the the day with with Mike. And then the next day, John, who literally like shattered me, texts me to say like, hey, I'm really sorry about everything that happened. Like I was not in the right headspace, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no fucking way. Like literally the day after I'm with this new guy who's like so great. Like it's, but then when things like that happen, I'm like, tell me that energy isn't real. Like how? how, Totally. It's so real. I mean, he felt that you were moving on and that's how that happened. Like, like that. Is that why guys do? Because I've had friends text me like, this guy just texted me after eight months of like not talking to me. Like why, why are they doing it? And I always say that it's their ego or like they're bored and they just want to reach out to you. Totally. I mean, validation, there's a million reasons, but none of them are genuine. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. So (laughs) tangent, but can you, can you talk more about like how to not base your self-worth off of your partner or being in a relationship or anything like that? I think just having your own life and like always maintaining that. Like if you have your own life, if you have your own fun, if you have your own thing that makes you happy, independent of this person and them, you know, giving you attention doesn't make that waiver, then you will be fine regardless. And that's always something that's been so important to me. It's like, I want to love myself and my life without my partner and with my partner, but not one or the other. Yeah. So it's really just like, you are good either way. Like you're good Mm -hmm. if you have someone in your life and you're also good if not. Right. But they make your life better, but they also don't complete you. Yeah. With your career, did you ever find that dating kind of interfered with it? Or have you found that like your relationships have kind of helped with your, with, with everything going on? Oh my God. Dating is like a requirement for my career. It's like (laughs) one feeds the other. Yeah. I'm sure when you were first starting out that it gave you a lot of good content, but also just like relatability. Totally. Did you ever feel like a sense of pressure to be in a relationship because like you're talking about it and like you're voicing your opinions on it? Like, did you ever feel that sense of pressure and like, how did you deal with that? Or, or did you find that you were kind of jumping into things just so that like you would have that for career purposes? No, I actually think the best thing I could do for my career is to be single. Um, So it was hard because I was trying actively like not to be in a relationship a lot of the time because 
if you're single, you have more dating stories. And if you have dating stories, you can contribute to your dating podcast. And I feel like even to this day, as my audience has grown up, it's still 50-50 single and in a relationship. And so I think the single content is probably way more interesting than the in a relationship content. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. I think it they're they both go hand in hand. Like when you are dating, it's great to like when you put the polls up or when you put the the content up, it's like it's a nice kind of like pulse check to see like, okay, well, this is what a stable, secure relationship looks like. And, you know, this is whatever relationship situationship that I'm in right now. Like, am I feeling the same way? Or like, am I experiencing the same types of things? So just like kind of cross-checking just Mm. to kind of see like, all right, is this, (laughs) is this still toxic? Yeah, totally. Did you have a list of qualities or things that you wanted for your partner and manifest like do you feel like you manifested your partner or 100% I think that list is crucial um I wrote that list I ripped up that list I even dated someone else after making that list no idea where that list went and now my husband has everything that was on that list so I think that list will always find you. Um, and it's a great exercise for manifestation for sure. What would you say are some of, or what were some of your non-negotiables or deal breakers? Non-negotiables for me was I needed my partner to be warm, like to be somebody that I could leave in a room and they would just like gravitate towards a, a million people and have like that warmth and make them feel good, make people feel good. Um, I needed them to be smart, like smarter than me was very important to me because I wanted to feel like I was learning from my partner. Um, and I did need them to be close with their family because for me, family is really important. And I wanted to like their family, which I had Mm -hmm. never done in the past in a relationship. Really? Like you, you dated guys. So you would date like the guys that you dated, you weren't necessarily crazy about their family. Yeah interesting that's so funny that you say that because yesterday I was on FaceTime with my friend and we were just talking about boys like because <laughs> we do and I asked her I was like is it a deal breaker or like is it important to you if a guy is or isn't close with his family and she and we just talked about it and she was like yeah like it is important to me because her family is a little bit like I don't know. It's, it's kind of just all over the place a little bit. Right. And, and she really like just loves that family dynamic and having that big family. And she's always gravitated towards the friends who are super close with their family. And, yeah. and I think about that a lot too. And I'm like, I, I do want someone who is close with their family. And unless like, of course, like I, if I fall in love with someone and they're like, just happen to not be close then I mean I guess it is what it is but I just like I feel like you don't have to compromise things like that yeah agreed agreed and I feel like there are a lot of other like deal breakers or or just certain things that like women will compromise on or settle for and that's Mm -hmm. something that like I'm so even with my friends and I'm so passionate about I'm like you are you're such a catch and like you do not need to compromise or settle for something that isn't exactly what you want, especially when it's something that's tied to your values. But like, I think that there's like always this fear of like, okay, well, what if I don't find something better or, you know? 
which is kind of just sucks. It does suck. I wish that women were not like that. I'm, I, it makes me upset when women settle. Like it's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, so to talk about your sobriety journey, how old were you when you decided to get sober and what, like, did you, did you kind of think about it for a little bit of time before, or how did you know that you needed to become sober? I was 28 when I got sober and I kind of knew that I had a bad relationship with weed and was smoking way too much I knew for a long time um probably like eight years um but I just didn't want to do anything about it because I didn't think that weed was an issue and I think society helps that thought because they talk all about how it's amazing and it should be legal so it's really it can be really hard especially if you're addicted to something that is legal um to know that you have a problem what was your relationship with weed like were you smoking it when you woke up and then like throughout the day and like when you were working Mm -hmm. yeah I mean nonstop. I worked for myself so it was really hard to have any sort of schedule that didn't allow me to do whatever I wanted to do all the time so I was smoking all day basically and I was still functional but it just it was not healthy what were you like why did you want to smoke because I like if we're being honest I don't necessarily think that I have like a problem with it like I don't smoke during the day but like I do enjoy smoking at night and I and what I tell myself is like oh, well, it's my way of relaxing or like I'll, I'll smoke before I journal. Like I'm super big on journaling and I'll, you know, get a journal prompt smoke before like set an intention to like connect to my highest self or whatever. And then just like almost use it as like a tool. But sometimes I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like I do get a little bit nervous. Like I don't want to rely on it or I don't know. Like, I just don't want it to be like a crutch, you know? Yeah. So, uh-huh. I think that you, you know, if it depends on why you're using it, like if you're using it to relax and you can't relax any other way, then that's probably not good. Um, so it's just all about like your intentions when you are using it, how much you need it. Like if you can go without it and be fine, um, all of that. Yeah. So when you stop smoking weed, you stop drinking as well. Mm -hmm. were you also drinking a lot like in combination with it or was it just like okay I'm gonna stop smoking weed like I also want to stop drinking as well I would drink tequila a lot and like when you are mixing tequila and weed it's kind of like a recipe for a blackout um and so yeah I mean it wasn't it wasn't great but I decided to stop everything because like when you are addicted to something and you stop one thing, but not everything, then like you use something else as, as an addiction. So like if mm -hmm. I had, um, you know, stopped smoking weed, but I was still drinking, then I'd probably up my alcohol intake. Right. So like you get rid of one, one crutch, but then you kind of rely on something else even more. Exactly. So did you 
face challenge like was it difficult for you after what challenges did you face like when you just did you do cold turkey I did yeah it was hard um I definitely had to keep busy to not think about weed and um drinking and I had to like leave parties early if I wasn't feeling good or if I was feeling tempted um so there was a lot of like triggering situations that I found myself in but ultimately I was able to stay sober with the help of other sober friends and a sober community which is so necessary that takes so much discipline and I think also like even when you're working for yourself like that takes so much discipline because no one's telling you what to do so like you literally have to show up for yourself in every area so that's that's just like really impressive like the discipline is is insane um I heard you say though that when you went sober that's when you attracted your partner can Mm -hmm. you so what were you doing before your partner came through because I always think before manifestations come through we're tested and we're tested in the areas that are the most triggering for us or the areas that we've had to do the most work what tests were you facing during that or like what lessons were you learning during that time and like in order for your partner to come through yeah I think I was learning like what because I was in a relationship a few months before my partner and I my husband and I started dating and that relationship put me through a lot of tests and made me realize kind of like okay you can't just like be with someone who's like a good person you have to really Mm. love them and you have to have that like chemistry and that spark and and that passion between you guys and I think I was getting so complacent in that relationship and just relationships in general and accepting things way too early on that you don't don't need to accept like Um, what just like, you know, having like a friendship as opposed to a relationship and things like that. Um, or like fighting a lot, you know, you shouldn't be fighting a lot with someone before you have any problems, you know? And so I just, I was being tested in terms of like, are you going to be able to handle a relationship like this? Like, should you, or can you be happier? And like, I, evidently could be happier and so I'm really happy that I realized that so in a way it also could have been seen as settling like settling for so you felt like your relationship was more of a friendship that lacked the chemistry or the spark Mm -hmm. that's so interesting my my friend who I was talking to last night she just sent like an anti not an anti-ghost because like she wasn't going to ghost him but like he they've been seeing each other. There's like kind of long distance, but every time he would come, like they just, he like, wouldn't make any moves on her. Like sexually, there was just like nothing there, but he was so sweet. Like we call it SBE, sweet boy energy. Like he was Mm. such a sweetie, like such a genuine guy, like so trustworthy, so like warm, but almost too sweet to the point where he wouldn't make a move. And yeah, she would, not good. and she's like, I'm not gonna like go down on him or like I'm and I'm not gonna tell him to like like to fuck me or to like finger me or whatever. It's just like right. you know what I mean. 
And I think, and that was what she was struggling with saying to him is like, is it mean to tell him? Like, I just don't feel like there's something like any romantic chemistry between us, but, um, I don't know. I think it's like that also all of these experiences are so important because it kind of shows you what your non-negotiables are or like what things that you don't want to settle for. And one of them is like that sexual chemistry. Totally. Yeah. It's so interesting though. Like I feel like with every partner or every experience that you have, it really does help you learn more about yourself and learn more about what you like and what you don't like. And that's why dating is so important mm-hmm. yeah um so. I do have a question my friend wanted me to ask you yeah so she got these were from two different guys but she wants your opinion on when a guy who you're friends with but like there's obviously like flirty banter you guys mm-hmm. whatever when they invite you to a party instead of asking you on a date what's your take on that and they've Immature. been flirting yeah immature um doesn't mean they don't like you but they're definitely immature okay that's like what I tell her and I'm like you need to like you need a man like you need to yeah. start you know um 100%. but again like I feel like you kind of have to go through those experiences to kind of just like learn like this is not what you like like you have to get burned and go through the fire exactly yeah exactly um if there was one piece of advice that you could give or maybe like a couple pieces but like overall what is like a piece of advice that you would give your younger self who feels kind of lost or doesn't know where they want to go or what they're doing I would say um like trust the process obviously um like if something feels wrong, it's probably wrong. If something feels right, it's probably aligned. And if you're confused about how someone feels about you, they're not interested. So just pack it up. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that one is so hard to digest, but agree. And then one more question. Um, how do you navigate living in a big city like New York or LA and navigate like the dating pool because right now I think dating has just become so tricky and mm. like people just don't want to settle down versus like if you're in Austin or literally anywhere else in the world like how do you kind of not lose hope mm. I think New York City is the best place in the world to date um you know it's not about everyone having different options and wanting to you know find someone later on it's about your connection with that person and if somebody is into you enough it doesn't matter how old they are how many options they have they will make it clear and they will make it official so try not to stay in scarcity mindset have abundance mindset there's so many people out there there's so many amazing people to meet so many connections to be made and enjoy it because in no time you will be married and you'll be thinking back on your single days so truly enjoy every second I love that have fun and the abundance mindset is everything like everything and to just have fun when you're doing it because dating should be fun and when you bring that fun energy like that is so attractive and so magnetic and I think that's like what makes guys like 
addicted to you. So it's totally. that fun energy. Yes. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for talking to us and giving us your wisdom and perspective. It is so appreciated and I loved yeah. having you on. Thank you so much for having me. And, and please um, plug yourself. Like where can oh, we yeah. find you? You can find where me, can we connect? me wherever you listen to podcasts. So check okay, out. perfect. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks, Sabrina. Bye.